When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Welcome to the TNF Hotline on the Knapsack Files. Your calls, your voice, your thoughts, and your host, Ken Knapsack. Thank you, Matty D. It's my old radio partner, Matt Donovan. Matty D. Sending us in here for the July edition of the TNF Hotline. We did have a bonus episode earlier in the month because, well, June went by so fast that I forgot to put the hotline out in June. Ken, how does that happen? Anyways, I love hearing from you guys. I really do. From all you guys and gals, you cats and dogs, I love uh, the community that is growing around some of the broadcasts that I'm involved with, whether it's the Knapsack Files, Four Center Afternoons with Josh and Ken. It means a lot. It's important, and it's a wonderful byproduct that sometimes a, a content creator, a broadcaster like myself, doesn't really see coming. I'm doing these shows for vainglory. Have my voice heard. And then what happens is you guys step in and you react for whatever reasons to to me, my personality, my guests, things we're saying, things we're talking about. And then communities uh, pop up around that and uh, on the Patreon page and Discord through that page and over on the Twitch uh, stream and I do, twitch.tv slash Ken In the chat room there, we got regulars. We got names that I see pop up and it is like hanging out with old friends. And that's where this show even becomes more fun for me because it's you truly putting your voice out here for the rest of the larger Knapsack Files world. And I love these thought starters because they're things I maybe don't get to talk about or things I haven't talked about in a while, which is the first call here. from My new Patreon friend, my new Discord friend and Twitch stream friend Skip and Tosh. Here he is. This is Skip and Tosh, proud Patreon supporter of my man Ken Knapsack. And I had a very simple question that may have been answered some point before, but uh, I haven't heard it yet. Where did you get the name The Pit Boss? Appreciate your brother. Much love. Keep going. Keep going. Keep progressing. Later. I love those words. Keep going, keep going, keep progressing. Simple concepts we overlooked there. Thank you, Skip and Tosh. May I call you Skip? May I call you Skippin? May I call you Tosh? Whatever. Good to have you on the team and here in the TNF Hotline tonight. And it is an interesting question. So I am in most circles still known as the Pit Boss. Yes, the Pit Boss. The Schmoes No Pit Boss. And even though the Schmoes brand still very much alive, still very much going, a lot of the energy focused on the movie trivia Schmo down, the Schmoes No reviews, the movie reviews, and the live show was where a lot of us, not just Christian and Mark, but a lot of us, Mark Riley, Josh McCuga, myself, JTE, RB3, Cobster, Cody Hall, Ace, Beardo towards the end, 
and a plethora of co-hosts that came through that are still there, all those kind of things. That's where we kind of got our introduction to the digital media world, and a lot of you started to pick up on what we were doing, but time has flown, just like June left me so fast, came and went, and I forgot to do the damn show, so has Time marched on. I became the producer of the Schmoes No Movie Podcast in October of 2012. I was out of town. I remember the moment that Christian called me and said, hey, do you want to do this? Do a little, uh, do a little uh, sweat, uh, uh, you know, what do they call it? Sweat equity labor? I said, yeah, let's do it. Produced a show for a number of years when I was still working my day job, all those kind of wonderful things. And I had no idea. I had a sense this was a good thing and a good step forward, but I didn't have an idea because at the time it was just Christian Mark and Catherine Reitman, Christian and Mark, then Katie Sackoff, right about the time I had joined or was about to join, and me, and then JT, and then boom, it blows up into this crew. Somewhere along the way, early 2013, here's what happened, giving you the gory details. If you yourself are like kind of new, maybe uh, follow me from Collider Jedi Council where I'm, I'm probably more known now by the nickname Kylo Ken than I am the pit boss. Uh, but some of you still might remember, but for those that don't, I think it's a fun question to start today's show from Skip and Tosh. I was a security director at the time. I, I started producing the Schmoes No Movie Show, but my days off were Wednesday and Thursday. All right, Wednesday and Thursday. So I, when I first started producing, was very excited because I didn't have to wear a suit and tie. Now, I love suit and ties. I love them. I used to have a ton of them. Now I don't as much anymore. Time marched on, and the suits did not march on. But I was very excited to have this little gig where I could show up and help produce my friend's show and broadcast. And I hadn't started doing the news yet, but, uh, you know, it was, it was around the corner. I think it started shortly, right about the time I started producing, we did start doing the movie news segment. And I was in jeans and a T-shirt. If you go back and find some of the early phase three, they call it, at the Toad Hop Studios, we used to take a picture uh, after the show with whoever was on the show that night or all through the show. You will see a lot of them. I'm in in little ripped apparel T-shirts, little mashups back when those were still fresh and new, right? Oh, it's Super Mario Brothers, but he's also Indiana Jones. Yay! And I had a bunch of those shirts and, and jeans, and I was very happy just to be like a nerd. Dressed like a nerd. No suit and tie, no uniform, no nothing. Well, then a thing, a funny thing happened. Later on in the year, I ended up getting promoted. I became like the director. I was like an assistant director. Then I became the director. I was the man. It was a fun time, right? Good thing. I worked hard for it, even though it was a day job that I didn't like. I worked for it. I got it. One thing, though, your days off changed. I now had Sunday, Monday off, which are great days off, by the way. You get a good weekend and you get a good weekday. It's a good thing. Recommend it if you can get a Sunday, Monday. Friday, Saturday would be nice, but a Sunday, Monday is okay. Better than Wednesday, Thursday. And actually, for a long time, my days off were Wednesday and Saturday. Split days. Ooh, those, those weren't fun. So it was Sunday, Monday. So then what ended up happening is I have to you know produce a show on Thursday nights, and the Schmoes No Show actually started on, like, Wednesday morning. It was like a 10 a.m. show, and then shortly it moved to, like, Thursday night. And when I had my day off, it was no problem. But then I had to come from the job, straight from the job. So I'd show up at the studio in a suit and tie. 
I could take the jacket off. I could take the tie off. But then you got Mark dressed in his, uh, you know, his baseball cap. You got Christian a lot of times back then in his, uh, you know, his uh, New York Giants cap. JT, I don't know if he ever, I don't know if JT's ever owned a suit. Makuga's in T-shirts. Riley's in a shirt. And there I am. You know, Tiffany would be obviously dressed very nice. But there I am in a suit and a tie. And I was doing the news in the news segment, uh, not quite yet the movie news that came later on, that kind of catchphrase. Uh, but I was doing the news and fans were liking and liking it and, and things were going. And I've been doing that kind of news segment for a while, started doing that in radio in the mid-90s, right? So it was fun. It was, I, was, I was having a lot of fun with it. But I hear I, I seemed kind of like it was like I was the odd man out. And, you know, I can get grumpy. I can get stern. And then plus I had this job. A lot of the times that I was producing the Schmoes podcast, I still had handcuffs in my pocket. And a canister of OC spray on my belt uh, and all those kind of things. And so at one point, and I forget the exact episode, it's early in 2013, Christian calls me the pit boss. And I actually react to it negatively. I'm like, I don't want a nickname. Christian loves giving the nicknames. Those schmoes, uh, the schmodown nicknames, they'd come from, a lot of them just come from him. And he's good at it. He's good at it. Ellis is good at it too. But I, just, I didn't want it. I didn't like it. Like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, nah, no, it works, man. And this we're having this discussion off air, too. I was like, just uh, don't, call, like, don't call me that. Hit boss, I don't even know what that is. And he's stubborn. I can be stubborn, but he's stubborn, too. And he just kept calling me that. And I got to give him credit because then it started catching on. Then it became my name. I was the pit boss. One of my good friends, Dan Farron, you guys have even heard him on the show or heard me mention uh, him on the show he always said, he goes, I could tell that you're, you're, you know, the show is getting successful. I can tell your profile is rising because on your Facebook page, which is generally friends and family, you'll post a comment and someone will just randomly jump into your comments on Facebook with the, with the word pit boss, exclamation point. And it was always fun. So it grew. Skip and Tasha grew from there, became a thing. And even after a while, when I wasn't working that job, I still carried on with the name and it was just part of the image. It's still part of the image. You call me that, I get a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's fun if you go back. I can't remember. Someone, there's, I'm sure there's some, some schmo historians out there that'll find it and let you know uh, exactly what, uh, what episode it was where I get called for the first time. Again, I was, it was early 2013. For a while, it was uh, my uh, Twitter banner. I believe one of our good listeners, Rasika, actually won the design, kind of a fun banner for me. It just said Pit Boss. And then uh, the banner I eventually got from Brian Ward, which you can still find some versions of it. The picture, the pictures that Brian Ward used and everything uh, was up, and it said the Pit Boss on there. Then a while, while and I'll be honest with you, a while, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't wearing the suits as much. And then when, when I was eventually working at Collider, actually working at, at Screen Junkies, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, I'd be dressed down, maybe a dress shirt, but jeans and a T-shirt most of the time, baseball cap. You know what I mean? Unless, it was a t- unless I knew I was going to be on TV fights that day. But on Thursday, I would dress in a suit. And uh, my boss at the time, every time he'd see it, he'd always tease me. Oh, look at that, the pit boss, all dressed up today. You're going to do schmoes. He used to always taunt me. And um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that. Um so eventually, I just, I just, and then, and quite frankly, as much as I love suit and ties, you know, it's not, it's not like, a, you know, uh, you know, my, my female friends getting ready for work in the morning or something like that or going to an event. That's a, that's a lot more uh, of a process and I respect it. But a suit and tie takes a little bit. Slipping on some jeans and a t-shirt, a lot easier than finding the right tie, the shirt, the combo. 
And plus, I'd stop buying more shirts and ties, and I just figured I was just repeating the same ones over and over again. And I wasn't replacing the ones that were getting damaged or just too old. So after a while, I just decided it's not going to be the case anymore. We're going to kind of switch it up, a little less suit and ties. You can still call me the pit boss, but it just wasn't the same. And then as the Schmoes No Live show started to change, and I wasn't on as much, and and uh, you know now we know the show's uh, on, a, on a, I believe, permanent hiatus. Uh, it just uh, wasn't as much as my identity as it used to be. I switched out the banner. It's just me. You can call me the pit boss. You can call me Kylo Ken. It don't matter. I'll, I'll say hi. I'll, I'll react to it. And I'll have warm fuzzies for both of it. But that is how it began. It was a good four years of my identity as a professional broadcaster in the digital media space. And for those that didn't know, that, that's where it came from. That's the answer. And a great question from our good friend, Skip and Tosh. All right. What's next? Hello, Ken, and hello to all of our pals on the Discord server. This is Kai. So my question is, whether it be for like a show or an event or for even food, what's the longest you have ever waited in line or would you be willing to wait in line? So back in the day before reserved seating, I spent more than a day waiting in line for Lord of the Rings. Me and my friends missed a whole day of school. And we did it for two of the movies. And it was worth it to me. But I'd like to know your thoughts about waiting in line. Thanks. Great question from Kai. Lines, lines, lines. We'll see. And Kai is our Patreon patron profile for July. That's right over on knapsackfiles.podomatic.net. I have been putting together... A uh, little profile we started last month with Erin Parisian. You should go check out her blog and her writings. I send them 10 questions. They send me 10 answers. I post it. It's my way to not only get to know my listeners better, but for you guys out there. So check it out on knapsackfiles.podomatic.net. Kai is on there this month with a question here about lines. I hate lines. But here's the thing. I'm not bad at lines. Like uh, uh, Martin Freeman says as Arthur Dent in the movie version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the 2005 version, where they see a line. He's like, I'm British. I can cue. I know how to cue. Um, that's kind of me. I'm okay with lines. I can go into my zen spot, my happy place, and I'm okay with it. I just don't like lines. Over on the afternoons with Josh and Ken, we discussed me and the problem with lines at a local eatery called Porto's. I had never been to it despite being in Los Angeles for 20 years, and it's kind of a staple of the valley where I live, especially now. I don't like lines. I don't like lines. Disneyland, a little different. I'm okay with it at Disneyland. I don't know why. I think it's because it's the Magic Kingdom, the happiest place on Earth. There's a place in Los Angeles called Pink Tacos. Pink's Tacos. Not Pink Tacos. Pink's Tacos. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know the name exactly because I've only had their hot dogs once and I didn't wait in line. It's on La Brea in Hollywood. It's famous. It's one of those world famous pinks hot dogs. And I love hot dogs. You guys know that. If you listen to me long enough, you know, I love a good dog. Yeah, their dogs are all right. But would you be prepared to wait 45 minutes in all weather conditions or more? And not really have a place to sit. You're just on the sidewalk. You got to eat and go. Some messy hot dogs. No. 
No, that's pinks. I get it. Maybe you're a tourist. You want to experience it. That's fine. I can accept that. Same with, I guess, me at Disneyland. I'm a tourist. It's a one-time thing. But if I'm hungry, I'm not just going to get in line. There's a place uh, in Studio City, a couple locations, but a particular one in Studio City on Tahunga. For those keeping score at home, I sound like the Californian sketch. Old Aroma Cafe. Oh, people love Aroma Cafe. Tiffany Smith used to bring pastries from the Aroma Cafe to Schmo's events, cookies and stuff like that. And they were good. But on a, any given day, unless you go at like 7 a.m. for coffee, the line is hour plus. It's not worth it for me. It's not worth it for me. But I understand the communal feeling of lines. Kai was talking about the Lord of the Rings movies. The first two, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, seen his friends, skipped out on school, or maybe they had an excused absence. They go get in line, wait overnight even, experience it, go see the movies. There's value in that. And I don't want to get too grumpy and let anyone think that I, I don't see the importance and the fun in that. Kai asked specifically, what's the longest line I've been in? I think it would have to be the Phantom Menace ticket sale line. Reserved seating at movie theaters has been a life changer. It has absolutely made my life, my entertainment viewing life easier. Assigned seats, reserved seatings, the theater experience is great. But back in the day, all right, you got tickets. That's, that's the only guarantee. So it's a two-part thing. Phantom Menace tickets go on sale, I think, memory, if memory serves, February 1999. I waited, and I've told those other places I don't like to remix myself too much there, Winnetka, California, Pacific Theaters. I got off work at 3 a.m., the old security job, got in my Plymouth Colt, put on a T-shirt, had a jacket, had a couple snacks. I didn't, I didn't make a lot of money back then, just above minimum wage, so I had maybe a Gatorade, I don't know what it was, maybe a Coke with some caffeine to keep me up, I don't know. Wasn't prepared. Get in line all by myself. My roommates at the time were like, cool, you're getting tickets? All right, have fun. Weirdo. <laughs> and I was in there from 3.15 a.m. I think the tickets went on sale at 10. So seven hours. So there's a lot of people been in line for days for events. I couldn't, no tents for me. Uh, it, it, Winneka, even in February, it can be hot. Direct sunlight, not a lot of shade. Nowadays, I think a lot, a lot of theaters are... If, if this was to happen, ticket sales and whatnot uh, would, ha- would be prepared. They'd have maybe more, you know, uh, stanchions up, uh, some canopies, uh, something to make it an event, I think. But this 99, it was a little different, little different time period. It still was like, oh, a bunch of these nerds are going to sit there on our property and buy tickets. So I was in the direct sun. I had, like, heat exhaustion. My roommates do show up at one point, hand me a donut and Gatorade, and then say, here's some money for our tickets. I think about like eight tickets. The rest is history. I also, about a month later, waited in line for Star Wars, Phantom Menace, Episode One figures. Not as long, a couple hours. And that's kind of been it. That's it for me for big line waits. That's about it. I did, after that, after the heat exhaustion, Gatorade a donut, friends saying, ooh, waiting in line, loser. And by the way, can you buy his tickets? Um, that was it for me. No hot dogs. No Porto's pastries, no movie tickets. I'll stay at home. That's just the way to do it. But Kai, great question, and thanks for being the Patreon patron profile for July. Hello, Ken. This is Andy from Dallas once again. Lately, you have mentioned that you've been playing MOB 
the show a lot in the career mode with the Yankees. So I wanted to ask you this. How do you, Ken Neftoff, construct a major league batting lineup? Are you a sabermetrics guy and you look at the numbers? Or do you go with the hottest hitter in your lineup? As a bonus question, what is your favorite lineup of all time? Thank you and have a good day. There it is. It's my baseball question from Andy in Dallas. Andy's been talking about music here recently on his calls. He loves calling in. I love having him on here. You, too, can be a regular on the TNF hotline if you get that Google Voice number. And Andy gives me a chance to talk about baseball. I know not everyone listening is a baseball fan, but I love baseball. It's in my heart. Even though there's times where I don't watch it as much as I used to or watch it as much as I want, baseball's in my heart. And if you've been watching me on Twitch you know I've been uh, playing MLB The Show 18, the greatest baseball game I've ever played, and there's been some great baseball games. Now, I'm not counting some of the classics, bases loaded from Nintendo, hardball from the Commodore 64, but in terms of a exhaustive franchise mode, you can feel like you have a major league job as a general manager. I love MLB The Show. It's kind of uh, it's the first time I've played a baseball game in well, since 2009. been a long time. Long story short, I have a lot of fun building the team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm managing the Yankees. Well, I was until I got fired. That's right. A video game fired me. Now I manage the Cubs. But Andy's talking baseball. He's talking about how do I build a lineup and what's my favorite baseball lineup of all time? Well, let's start with the first question, which is how do you build a lineup? Because I think it will lead into my answer of my favorite baseball lineup of all time. Not the one that I think's the best. That would be the 27 Yankees. All right, let's get to that question later. The sabermetrics question comes up. If Even if you're not a baseball fan, you may have seen the movie Moneyball. Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean, the former general, I think he's former, right? Maybe he's still there, general manager of the Oakland A's. And he helped his major league player, big college prospect, gets drafted, never really hits uh, on the uh, both figuratively and literally on the major league level, goes into coaching, managing, front office. Next thing you know, he's a general manager for the Oakland A's and starts building the team. At the time, a small market team that could not compete against the big teams like my Yankees, the Red Sox, those big market teams that have a lot of money to throw uh, uh, cash at free agents. So they got to use... Something different. He comes in and revolutionizes baseball, and there's a lot of others along the way, to be clear, that helped in this revolution. But Billy Bean is, is the example on giving because, again, if you watch the movie uh, Moneyball, you can see what it uh, really was there. And it is this breaking down the statistics of baseball because we love statistics of baseball. I, for a short while, wanted to be a baseball statistician in about ninth or 10th grade. I was I was actually looking towards being that and a baseball announcer or probably end up uh, being a statistician. I was really interested in baseball statistics, and I still am. But I'm not a statistics guy. Sabermetrics is this super breakdown of baseball stats and how it translates into performance and how you can play against it, how you can scout it, and how you can pick up players that will do the best for you. And they're not necessarily the stars. So you don't need a guy that makes $100 million over a five-year contract who can blast 45 home runs. You, you might want that guy, but you also want the guy who makes maybe a million and a half a year. Still a lot of money for you and me, but, you know, million and a half a year. 
bats 280, but you know from the seventh inning on he bats 330. Or against left-handed pitching on days where it's 55 degrees out, he'll hit you a home run. These stats go crazy. I am in uh, fantasy baseball, rotisserie baseball, in a National League-only uh, Roto League I've been in for 19 years now. Me and my friend Corey co-own this team. We uh, pay some money into it. There's cash and prizes at the end of the season. And you have to know the players and you have to know the stats. But even me, who used to be a statistician, want to be a statistician, who studies it from a fantasy baseball perspective, I've drifted off the last couple of years. And I kind of suddenly returned these last couple of years, like my focus, like, oh, I want to really get back into baseball. And there's all these new stats. War, wins above replacement. Uh, how many times do you get a base hit after you sneeze? Do you blink 13 times? What's your percentage of blinks during that bat? It's crazy. Exit velocity, exit speed off bats. And it has changed the game of baseball. I'm not going to say for worse. It's just changed the game. Baseball will always change and go through cycles. All that to say, all that I'm telling you about, if you watch Moneyball, you get an insight into where that all kind of began. It's not my favorite kind of baseball. So if I'm going to build a major league lineup, I'm going to go with my eye. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with the hot player like Andy asks specifically. And I like the classic lineups. Give me my best hitter at number three. Give me a good power bat at number four. And maybe a high strikeout guy at number five. Though these days in Major League Baseball, almost everyone's a high strikeout guy. Uh, you know, up top, I want a speedster up top. I love speed. The speed of the game is a uh, change forever. Vince Coleman in the 80s still in 100 bases. We'll never see that again. Number two, I want a grizzly kind of like a, a fiery second baseman who can uh, sacrifice himself when need be, get an out, a productive out, a gritty guy there, and then on down the way. So that's how I build a lineup, a classic way. But hey, if you stick with the classics, it might not always work. It might cause problems for you. That's why I'm not a general manager at the major league level, only at the PlayStation level. As for my favorite lineup of all time, the best I do think, just in terms of history and what was accomplished and what was done, is the 1927 Yankees called Murderer's Row. Uh, it is fascinating. Go watch Ken Burns' documentary, uh, Baseball. They cover a little bit about that. Fascinating time. Do love that. The big red machine in the 1970s, the late 70s Yankees. A lot of good teams like that. The 61 Yankees record-setting lineup as well. But I'll tell you my favorite, favorite baseball lineup. It is the 1998 New York Yankees. It's the best team of that run. The 96-2001 to 2001 run of the New York Yankees. Amazing time for a Yankee fan like myself, but it was built differently. Brian Cashman is a stats-heavy GM. He's one of the new breeds, but I think he's a little bit more old-school than some of the others. And the 1998 Yankees had a lot of guys, other than Tino Martinez, who could potentially hit you 40 home runs like he did, 40-plus home runs in 1997. Going back to 96 and 98, the Yankees had the Scott Brocious, the Paul O'Neills, the Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, though he eventually, in 98, he took over for Joe Girardi, Derek Jeter, he's one of the greatest names of all time. He's one of my favorite baseball players of all time. But statistically, he wasn't going to bop you 40 home runs. He wasn't a Cal Ripken. He wasn't an Alex Rodriguez. Rodriguez would come later on, and that's where I think the lineup for the Yankees started to change and started to suffer. I love the 1998 Yankees because it's a team of heart, a team of clutch hitting, not so much stats. It's more about the feel. All right, Andy, 
I love when you give me an excuse to talk baseball. Let's go to the next call here on the TNF Hotline. Hey, Ken, it's Tim of uh, TKO Movie Show fame. Hope all is well here in beautiful, uh, at least today, sunny Connecticut. Once again, hope all is well. Hope everything is doing just lovely for you. Anyway, I had a great question, or at least I hope it's great, about uh, your favorite thing to talk about or one of your favorite things, and that is uh, chain restaurants. I asked you a question over on your Patreon Q&A. Go check that out if you haven't done so. There you go, organic plug. And uh, I was wondering about your worst dining experience in one of these establishments. Um, I've had a few hairy moments at a, at a friendlies. Let's not get into any specific details. Uh, I don't believe the statute of limitations are indeed up yet. So let me know, worst dining experience at a chain restaurant. I know it's one of your favorite things. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. That's Tim from the TKO Movie Show. Check him out. Check it out. I was on his show recently, and he is uh, really good at what he does at TKO Talks, and I had a lot of fun. I'll be honest. I I, I do get uh, some people reaching out for, hey, can you be on my podcast? And and I like that idea. A lot of them are people I know or, or friends or anything, stuff like that. Um, but, um, man, I, uh, I, I got reached. Uh, Tim reached out to me, and I was like, I mean, let me take a listen. I always, I always take a listen. See what they got. And, and and some of them just, you know, I appreciate everyone should try to do this. I'm not the best. You can learn as well. But some, like, it's, you know, it doesn't serve me well to maybe go on some of the shows. Make sure your audio quality is good and make sure your you get, your feed is uh, is as best it can be. But also, you know, you you got to be a host and a broadcaster. I, I got to feel as though we can uh, get on the air together and have some chemistry. And Tim, he fit that. I was really happy, and we actually had to do the interview twice due to a technical error, and he was great, a gracious host. So check out Tim. Plug for him. Organic plug for him. But he's talking about chain restaurants, and I do love chain restaurants. Probably too much. People know this. So here's an interesting answer to your question, Tim. Uh, what's the worst chain restaurant experience I've ever had? I got to tell you, nothing immediately comes to mind. Now, I've had some experiences where the food wasn't that good, the restaurant wasn't that great. I witnessed uh, a, an, a, an adult son and his elderly mother just treat a waiter really bad to the point where my roommate and I were eating, and, and we had a call. We felt we needed to call the manager over and defend the waiter because they, the, they had called the manager over and demanded this rep scallion be fired, and they were kind of, they were just horrible people. Then funny story, side note, we laughed that night thinking we had saved this guy's job. He got fired uh, after we left and later on, by total coincidence, became uh, for a short while the drummer in that roommate of mine's band. Small world. Small world. Anyways, answer to Tim question, Tim's question is, I don't think I've had a bad experience because I enjoy the chain restaurant experience so much. There was one time my friend Jay and I as we used to do a lot back then, and we want to try to do again. So we used to go to an islands, You know, and again, these chain restaurants, sometimes there's a particular item I like on them. Sometimes it's the experience. Sometimes I just like going to them. But islands, we like going. We get some tacos. It was just kind of a place near his house at the time of Pasadena. It became a little tradition. Get a basket of fries, right? So we go. We had, we're catching up. We order our food. We're talking. Um, we're going. I think a basket of fries shows up. And Jay and I are just in the conversation. And all of a sudden, the waiter comes up and goes, all right, go. Looks like you guys are done. Uh, 
you guys feeling any dessert? <laughs> we both kind of stopped. We didn't. We were so engrossed in our conversation, probably mostly talking at the time about fantasy baseball or music. Even Jay's been on uh, the Knapsack Files some of the early episodes uh, with uh, talking about some of our favorite artists and whatnot, and we're going to do it again soon. But Jay and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, actually, wait a minute. We haven't. We actually didn't get our food. And the waiter, <laughs> completely dumbstruck, hadn't put the food in. We, though, got so caught up in our friendship that it, 25, 30 minutes had passed. And we think we had picked at the basket of fries. And, and that was awkward. He felt bad. And we're okay. But that's me. I am not one of those, hey, come in here. I'm, get me your manager. We said, all right, hey, things happen. We're having a good time. We're friends. We're going to be okay. But you would think that maybe, just maybe, all right, hey, we're sorry about that. Your meal's comped. Eh, sorry about that. 20% off, right, or something like that. No, no, the manager came over, and I, uh, I think he just said, really sorry that happened. <laughs> and Jay and I have the same uh, certain ilk, uh, a certain cut of the jib that we just kind of went, oh, okay. I know some friends of mine that would be like, uh, all right, give me a corporate number. I want to eat at Islands Free for a year. We just rolled with the bunches, and that is the worst experience I've ever had. But that's you know you might you might out there uh, might have a, wor- a worse experience, and things go really wrong. I totally get it. But I, much like Disneyland, approach chain restaurants like at a fun adventure. I want to make that my temporary home while I'm there. I want to have a good time. I walk in, the host. How many? How, two. How are you doing? How's your day? Uh, the uh, host or someone else usually hand the menus off. Could you take them to table 17? And then that person usually has to say, hi, how how you doing? Welcome to Wood Ranch. Have you, have you been here before? Oh, absolutely. I've been here before. I love it so much. So happy to be back. How's your day? That's me at a chain restaurant. Mark Ellis is kind of like that too. And Makuga as well. But we, we, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we, we go to these chain restaurants uh, around our town here, or even just when we're, we're, uh, we're uh, on location, traveling conventions or whatever. And we're like that. We're going to make it a, temporarily, a temporary home. So that's maybe my lesson to all you out there, unless it's something you can't control at a chain restaurant. And some of you just don't like chain restaurants. I get it. Go mom and pop. Go local. I understand. You don't want the chilies moving into your neighborhood. You don't want the Applebee's. All right? That's fine. Buffalo Wild Wings. I've had some service issues there where they take their sweet time. But you know about it. You adjust. You go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you sit down, you order your drinks, you order your food, and you ask for the check, and you're going to get it an hour later. But I'm okay with that. Like, hey, you know, I, it's the attitude I bring to the situation that I think helps guide the situation. That's your lesson for the day. Go to the chain restaurant of your choice with a big smile, and you'll be rewarded with a great experience. I think. Asterisk. Don't hold me to it. Offer not good in all 50 states. All right. Let me know how that works out for you. If any of you have had any horrible experiences, I want to know. Hashtag the Napstock Files. And any of you have had a horrible experience, get turned around with your positive attitude at a chain restaurant. I want to know as well. All right. Final question of the day here on the TNF Hotline for July. Hey, Ken. Rob from Winnipeg calling. Hypothetically, if you've made plans with your buddies and they canceled last minute, your girlfriend's out of town and you just picked up a dozen beers, what would you do? 
Rob from Winnipeg closing the show with a what-if question, and I like it here. Let's see how we can unpack this. He's saying you got some plans with some buddies. Girlfriend's out of town or your partner's uh, indisposed, and you've got a night plan with friends. And you go and you get a six-pack of beer. Now, for me, I'm not a huge beer drinker, so maybe it's a fresh bottle of Irish whiskey. Maybe it's some rum, some vodka, tequila, whatever it is, a refreshment of your choice. All right? And then suddenly the plans fall through. That's kind of, to me, the spirit of Rob's questions. So your friends can't do it. Uh, Your girlfriend, wife, husband, boyfriend, partner, teammate, out of the picture. But you got it, and you have the free time because you had the plans. What do you do? Pop quiz, hot shot. What do you do? Well, again... I'm not a beer drinker, but if I got 12 beers, I'm at least popping open, open two just to make it, make it worth my while. But in my world, I will confess something, Rob, from Winnipeg and Knapsack Files listeners. In those situations, as much as I love my friends, I'll breathe a sigh of relief because I am a loner. A loner, Dottie. A rebel. Well, maybe not a rebel, but I'm definitely a loner. I'm a lone wolf. I love my solitude. Perhaps too much. I will admit that. And if you out there love your solitude, perhaps too much, you should admit that too. And let's work on being more social together, even if it's just going outside and talking to a stranger at a chain restaurant. Give it a try. Nothing wrong, though, with being alone. Nothing wrong with solitude. Just maybe have it not be 90% of your life. But that's my honest answer. I would look at the beer, I'd look at the whiskey, look whatever I have, I'd look at my free time on my schedule and think, ha, huh, I got this night to myself. Pressure's off. Again, not that I don't want to go hang out with my friends or have a good night on the town or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a night in with friends, doesn't matter. But I secretly, and I think more people are in my side than we care to admit as a society, more people or in my, on my side when it comes to secretly wishing plans would fall through with a good excuse so that you yourself don't have to cancel them. How many times has that happened? How many times? Now, here, often here's what happens. You know, it happened to me recently. A friend was like having a get-together, birthday occasion. I wanted to go, didn't think I was going to go, made no plans to go. And then, of course, it was like, absolutely, I have to go. And then I had a great time. All right, that's the lesson that happens all the time. But there is that... I'm off the hook. When the plans fall through and it is not your fault, it's perhaps one of the greatest feelings in the world. You get all the free time and none of the guilt, and your friends will do a rain check and we'll do it again. Save those beers. We'll do it again. That's a feeling I love. So, Rob, I don't know. I put on a video game, put on a movie, record a podcast. Seriously, that takes up a... A lot of one of my free time, and I love it. I'm a lone wolf. I love my solitude, unless it's with you guys, unless it's with all you listening. No beers in my hands tonight. No plans fell through, but this feels like home. Going out, even with people I love, does not always feel like home. So I don't know if that was the answer you wanted, Rob. Maybe because you're from Winnipeg. Well, Winnipeg, not so much. Vancouver, maybe. If you're from Vancouver, we could go Bigfoot hunting. I'm good with that. 12 beers. You and me, Rob. Bigfoot hunting. What do you think? I'm still looking for people who want to fill up my Bigfoot hunting team. 
And not hunt on hunt Bigfoot to do some harm to him. Just to hang out with him. Just to say, hey, we want to know you're real, and then we're going to leave you alone. Here's some beers. Makuga didn't want him. I think that's fair. And I think that's a great way to end the show. The TNF Hotline. But before I go, let me give you some information. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack. That's across all social media platforms, including Twitch and Instagram and Instagram TV, where on Instagram TV, I have motivations with Ken Monday through Friday, little short videos that don't quite motivate you to get you through the day. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, give them a check, give them a listen, give them a view, and uh, more to come in that YouTube page. is starting to get a little bit more active. Go over there, find me, search, and uh, subscribe if you want. Patreon pages, patreon.com slash the knapsack files. The website is knapsackfiles.podomatic.net. And before we go, special shout out to my Patreon producers, which is Jason Humphreys, Christopher Paquette, that's Pagnetti, Pags to you and me, Spencer Hunt, Alex Marriott, Kai Thatch, who called in tonight, and my executive producers, Aaron Parisian, DJ Snacks at Temporal Radio, Thomas Risling, and Lethal Logan X. That's right, my pro wrestling friend, Matthew Simon, Bedore, and Legends Con. Check them out at Legends Con. Uh, we uh, like what they're doing over there. So if you like Star Wars Legends, those are my executive producers and my producers over on Patreon page. What does that mean? You'll be hearing those a lot more. It means not only they support me in a literal sense, but it is they are part, along with uh, uh, the uh, $15 levels, they're in the TNF boardroom, the Knapsack Files boardroom, where I have monthly boardroom broadcasts, posts, and literally lean on uh, board members to help me make some decisions for this brand, this podcast, and things. It has been a wonderful, rewarding experience, and more to come. So thank you to the producers, executive producers, and board members. It's not just a little catchphrase. It's not just something a little fun. It is something that has been productive and fun for everyone, at least I hope. That is it. The Napsack Hotline, the Napsack Files Hotline, that's the name of the show. For July is out. We'll see you next time. Thanks for your call. Calls, call in, have your voice heard. Bye.